and welcome to the Snakes Cast. It's Monday, I'm David, and here to wax lyrical on the board game hobby are Emily and Jonathan. Hi. And this week's topic is basically the different kinds of players that you can run across in the board gaming hobby who may or may not make it harder to play games and some solutions that you might find good for solving some of those problems. Also, finding out if you are that player, because sometimes we're all that player. We've all been there. Yeah. Like, it's impossible to have, you know, emerged from the board game womb fully formed and (laughs) capable of playing games perfectly well and ethically and kindly for everyone. It just doesn't happen. Well, and you may take to one particular type, but then find something else that's totally outside your comfort zone. So yeah, we're going to see if we can find some areas that you can check out and become a get better game player. So what sort of thing are we talking about, guys? Uh, one that I've been... One problematic gamer that I've been dealing with a lot lately, and I think one of the more harmless ones, and one of the ones that are more easy to fix, is uh, the distracted gamer. Mm-hmm. And we've all been there, and we've all known them. You know, these are the people that are on Instagram when they should be paying attention to their turn. These are the people that are, like, talking to one another about what went on that day or some sort of gossip when they should be trying to figure out what cards to play. These are the people that are too comfy on the couch. We've all been there. Yeah, that's that's especially a problem when people have different expectations about what is going to be on the table. I mean, if somebody's used to just playing Monopoly or games like that, then they can reasonably expect that they, they're not going to have to pay too much attention to the game mm-hmm. because it doesn't really require their attention. And it's also, I mean, board gaming is a social hobby, right? Mm-hmm. You're like sitting there, you're showing up, you're playing with other people, but sometimes you might misinterpret what the word socially means in that circumstance. No, it's social in that we're all here together doing the same thing. It's not social in the sense of, you know, I can catch up with what's been going on in David's life because I haven't seen him in a few weeks sitting on the couch together while everybody else is trying to play the game. You know, it's not necessarily for that. And there are some games that lend themselves better to that sort of stuff. And there are some games where you'll just be completely lost. Yeah, at the cafe, I often get requests for something, something we can play while we're still talking about other stuff. And if that's the expectation, if the idea is that we're not really going to be paying attention to the game, the game is just kind of an excuse for us to all spend some time around a table together catching up, then that's fine. That's one thing. But you have to establish that expectation to Mm -hmm. make sure that everybody understands that that's where the focus is going to be. Similarly, um, if people go in expecting that it's going to be like that, you present them with a game that's really engaging, uh, that provides a a rich and grossing narrative where the players are going to spend some time in another world, really kind of trying their best to, uh, to, to play their best game, it kind of requires everyone to focus on the game and mm-hmm. kind of set aside catching up about how the kids are doing at school or what work was like this week for the time being. A good solution to those sorts of games is sort of like scheduling in time either before or after, mm-hmm. you know, like let's play this game and then let's go and have a drink after and then we can get all of our catching up then or like show up at five and then we'll start the game at 630. That sort of thing, you know, like exactly. trying to bring get up the it, snacks before yeah, the game, right? Like get so it out of their system. Have, have something to eat, have something to drink, be ready to sit down and focus on the game by the time it, it comes out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And something that can work for longer games as well and different groups like or hate 
hate this, but I've experienced it a lot when playtesting, actually, is when you get halfway through the game and then say, let's just stop for 10 minutes, decompress, oh God, have no. a snack, whatever, you know, have a drink, have an intermission. Uh, and some groups hate that, and there are certainly I games I would never want to do that in. I find that that, like, almost, like, breaks up my focus. Like, if we stop, then... I realize all the other things I could be doing right now. Like, not that, <laughs> but like that playing games is a chore, but you know, like you stop, you get up, you look at your phone, you go pee, but it then breaks like, immersion. Yeah, it breaks immersion. You know, maybe there's something really interesting on your phone, or maybe there's a missed call from your mom, or like maybe on your way to the bathroom, you run into the cat, and there's a cat that wants to hang out with you, or you like emerge and you look up and it's a beautiful sunny day outside. I think it depends. Some, some games have a natural break, and sometimes taking that isn't a bad thing, and some games you know really really don't and you just have to keep that momentum rolling forwards yeah, establishing expectations and making sure that the game experience and the game environment are going to live up to those mm-hmm. expectations for everyone there yeah i find that i mentioned the couch just because with my dungeons and dragons group we have we, we have a couch because we have limited seating is, is it one of those really really comfy couches where pretty, you sit down and you immediately want to take a nap it's pretty comfy it's not that comfy but it's pretty comfy but there are a few people that like we specifically know to not let on the couch because if we do then we know that there's not going to be able to pay attention my roommate is one of these people and i can say that because she doesn't listen to this podcast <laughs> but my our, our dm and i like try to maneuver to make it so that other people sit on the couch before she gets there because otherwise she's going to sit on the couch and she's going to be on instagram and she's going to hang out with the cat and she's going to want to chat and it's just a nightmare but if we have her sitting at a real chair at a table you know on a clean table it's clear of everything that is not game related and that's not important then it's just much more conducive to focusing you know like it feels like you're there to like to work almost you know it feels like you're writing an exam or something you know just like being at a table surrounded by stuff is just so what about somebody who's one of those kinesthetic types who always needs to be fidgeting with something in order to not feel nervous like in order to be able to pay attention in order to be able to focus they kind of have to have something going yeah so those are those are the kinds of people that tend to mess with your cards they toss the dice around and they stack them and they just don't stacking dice yeah. is always a thing or worse still they bend the cards they sit, mm-hmm. sit there like using them like a stress ball actually that's not the worst the worst is putting the corner of the cards or putting any pieces at all in their mouths Yes. Shuddered a little bit. It's just, it's like, you know, some people have to lick the tip of their pen before they start writing yeah. and they're sort of comfortable with this sort of thing. No judgment, really. But, okay, so your friends are starting to treat your components not terribly. Or maybe you're somebody, you just realized, oh, wait, I just did something with this component. What can you do? How can we help somebody like that to to avoid that habit? If it's like a compulsive thing, if it's a compulsion, and some people have that, some people have that sort of yeah, kinesthetic tactile compulsion, yeah. um, just give them something that you don't mind if they destroy. Like <laughs> fidget cubes are great, not the spinners. Those things are terrible. Spinners are useless. Um, cubes the cubes are great. Are great. Um, you know, stress balls. Yeah, like give them something to do, like stress balls, a piece of paper to tear apart, as long as you remind them to throw it out afterwards. I actually want to take a minute to tell our audience who have not heard of fidget cubes just how good they are. So it's a little plastic cube about an inch and a half on a side. And on each of these six sides, there is a different thing that you can fidget with. One On one, there's a dial. On one, there's three little buttons you can press. On one, there's like a light switch. It's kind of like a bop it. Yeah, on one, there's a worry stone. Uh, on one side, there are little sliders. And on one, there's a trackball. 
and th- uh, two of these make sort of satisfying little clicky noises, like that, like a pen. If you're clicking a pen, but some of them are silent as well. So that if you're in an environment where the clicky sound is attracting, you can just use the other ones. Uh, and if you're in a place where the sound is okay, then you can do the light switch. Mm-hmm. You can do the ones that, that make the little clicky noises. And um, I cannot overemphasize just how helpful these can be for people who have that need mm-hmm. to manipulate objects in order to be able to f- keep their attention focused mm-hmm. on something. You can get them. Um, the great thing about this, this, these fidgety things like the cubes and otherwise, a lot of the time they're made out of plastic, so they're relatively inexpensive if you just want to like try them out and see what works for you. And obviously, if, uh, if, if, you found, if, you, if you were in a position, you found yourself actually treating a component... Um, in a way that's likely to damage it, you would want your friends to let you know. You know if it belongs to, yeah. if it's your game, of course you get to do whatever you mm-hmm. want with it. But if it belongs to your friend, you would want them to call your attention to it as gently as possible, because you're not going to feel good about this. Honestly, if I was playing a copy of my game and like I was like chewing, or like if I was like watching somebody play their game and like chewing on their cards and stuff, like I think it would drive me like absolutely crazy like even if it was like it's their game they can do what they want they want to chew on the cards they can chew on the cards they want to bend them they want to bend them they want to stack the dice they can do what they want but i feel i would just like not be able to focus i feel i would just like sit there with like my my face in my hands just like (laughs) shaking slightly well i suppose all of these things if you when when it all comes down to it it's a question of what is what what, where's your comfort zone Mm -hmm. and and what is something you can't deal with and it just becomes about making compromises and being human with your friends. And communicating. Of course. I really, it's such a bit, and I think that's something we're going to come back to repeatedly during the rest of these episodes. No, being but, gentle, being patient, uh, but being firm. Yeah. And with that in mind, we're going to leave you for Monday, but we will be back on Wednesday to talk about another couple of types of player that you may encounter or may be, and some potential solutions to help to mitigate those problems. So we'll see you then. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.